Ever wonder what it's like to be a full-time influencer and run three brands at the same time? Well, Alex Costa does exactly that, and I had the pleasure of sitting down with him to talk about how he amassed over 7 million followers across his social media channels, built three successful businesses, and made seven figures as an influencer. Alex shares his thoughts on short-form video content and how YouTube is changing as a platform. He also shares what the behind-the-scenes of his various businesses look like and talks about how he envisions building an online media empire and potentially stepping away as the face of this empire one day. This was a fascinating conversation with Alex and I know you'll enjoy it as much as I did. It's interesting because I owe my career to these men who are maybe sometimes scared of asking yeah. their friends or their parents about hair advice or fashion mm -hmm. advice or grooming advice. And they're like, how do I do my beard on YouTube? And then they find me. So, you know, it's been great in that, in those terms. But I feel like guys have a long way to go. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Hi, I'm Alex Costa. I'm a men's fashion content creator and entrepreneur. I own a few businesses, and I'm very, very active on social media at the moment. <laughs> you have built an epic brand that spans across Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, 3.7 million on YouTube, right? 1.8 on Instagram, 1.4 on TikTok. Plus, you have a hair care line, skincare line, clothing line, and you have a course, and you have a membership. Is that, is that right? Did I cover all the bases? That's it. You covered it all. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 First question is, how do you do it all? Uh, I struggle. I'm not going to lie with you. To, to, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. It's been it's been difficult, you know. But here's the thing. Like, I was talking to Robbie, my girlfriend, about this yesterday. And when you find your purpose, you unlock this, like, special power, this, like, will to get things done and to move forward. Yes. And it wasn't until I found my purpose, which is to help guys become just the best version of themselves, whether it's through looking their best or feeling the best or, or you know, going to the gym, et cetera. Yeah. When you find that purpose, it just unlocks that extra power. And so, you know, I don't get a lot of sleep some, some nights. Yeah. Um, I don't get a lot of time for myself, but it's so worth it. It's so, so worth it. So yeah. that's what keeps me going. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. What an answer. First of all, I think I heard a little bit of an Australian accent when you said version. Um, and I was like, is that your girlfriend's influence? Must Probably. Be. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe it. She's rubbing off of me. It's funny because she's becoming more of an American accent girl. And then I'm like, got this weird, like Brazilian, American, Australian accent. Honestly, you sounded really native to me uh, when we first met. So for some context, we met on a press trip. It was, yeah. was it 2019. In Toronto. In Toronto, yes. yeah, in Fair at Fairmont. At Fairmont, yeah. And um, at that time, I had no idea what your story was. I mean, obviously, the the PR person did tell me like we have a huge YouTuber in our group, and this is Alex Costa. And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, okay, very interesting. But I didn't know your story, and I think a lot of people probably don't know that. But I think it's very inspiring because people will easily look at where you're at now, and they will make assumptions, thinking like. 
daddy's money or wh- yeah. whatever, you yeah, know, yeah. whatever. Thing. I'm sure you've gotten Definitely. that a lot. Yeah. So could you tell us a bit of like how you came to the U.S. and all of that? Definitely. So when I was 13 years old, I, I lived in Brazil up until I was 13 years old. And I had an uncle who moved to the U.S. around then. And my mom came to visit with my dad. Yeah. It was in oh. Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Oh, and she came in February, yeah. which is very, very cold. Yes, it is. But it was also snowing right when she got here. And it was just Cape Cod's beautiful. And when it's snowing, you know, you have that fresh, crisp white snow on the ground. I can see why she fell in love with it. But it was really cold. So I'm surprised yeah. my mom doesn't like the cold. So I'm surprised she loved it. She fell in love with it and said, I kind of want to leave Brazil. I'm not happy here. It's interesting because a lot of people leave when there's like extreme hardship because mm-hmm. it's a yes. it's a pretty tough change, yeah. you know. But to be to be honest, my mom had a pretty decent job. My dad had a pretty decent job. They just didn't want me and my brothers to be stuck in in Brazil because mm-hmm. it just wasn't moving forward. Mm-hmm. They were scared for the future and they wanted to give us a better opportunity in, at life. So decided to move. She, you know, quit her job. My dad quit his job. We sold everything and we packed our bags and we moved to the U.S. when I was 13 years old. And um, it was pretty tough. You know, I'm not going to lie. It was I had no idea what I was listening to at school like i went straight it was like a week before 9 11 too so wow, really? yeah so we kind of got lucky that we were able to even get in because right after that they shut the borders wow. and it was done but i definitely felt a little weird just be, just being an immigrant at that time it was pretty tough probably some bullying oh yeah 100 100 percent. you know like immigrants were not looked as hard-working people at that time it was just like what are you doing in my country right, right. Um, so we definitely suffered with that, but it was the best decision for, at least for me, you know, ever, because I got to grow up here in the U S go to middle school. I got seventh and eighth grade, then go to high school and, you know, learned English. Mm -hmm. And of course I can't, I don't know where my life would be now if I hadn't made that move. So. Wow. That's really amazing. So then from there, I know you did like a bunch of different jobs before this. How did you come to become a content creator? I know you actually worked on the YouTube team to connect (laughs) creators for a few years. Yeah. yeah. So a bunch of different jobs is a good way to put it because I've worked every single job you could imagine, like from landscaping to like Best Buy to you know, like Hollister. Um, I worked a lot of the different like mall shops and um, yeah, you know, at one point I started playing a lot of video games and I, I was really good at Call of Duty. Just saying, mm-hmm. I was pretty good. And I started posting about it on YouTube, just like having fun, you know, just, I had no idea you could make money on YouTube, just posting for fun. And, um, the channel started to grow and take shape. And I'm like, Oh, I'm kind of enjoying this. Like, I'm pretty good at this. Let's keep it going. It was no camera, just my voice and just, you know, the gameplay. Uh, and it was really interesting. I fell in love with the aspect of content creation of, you know, I started the day with nothing. And then by the end of the day, I created a whole video and there's like 20 people that watched it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, and it kept going and going and going. And, um, at one point, you know, I got offered a job to move to LA, to move to Los Angeles and to host a video gaming news show. Mm. And they found me, they saw that I was speaking Portuguese on my channel and they needed a Portuguese host, a uh, Portuguese speaking host. So Moved to LA, started hosting this like gaming channel for them. It was called Machinima. It was a very pretty big channel at the time and learned a lot about YouTube, you know, behind the scenes and how to be in front of a camera. And it was, um, it was a pretty amazing job. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, continued to do my channel on the side, got hired by Google to run their YouTube gaming. What year um, was this? 
this was I got hired by Google in 2015. Okay. Yeah, so I was um, I was like basically managing top creators in North America uh, that were in the gaming vertical. Yeah. So I had a, a lot of creators that would come to me and I would help them with their channels. Um, and that really showed me. It's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, so you know the YouTube algorithm. It changes like every yeah. day. So I don't. Yeah. I wish it was that easy. But what I did learn was, wow, these creators are killing it. We have brands. Every brand is trying to get in touch with them. Yes. They're being flown out around the world. They have an incredible life and they love what they do. And their fan base is incredible. I could do this. You know, I would love to do this. And I already had a channel at the time. So I'm like, I really need to pursue this uh, further. So I remember when I came into my boss's office and I was just like, sorry, I'm, I'm going to quit. Um, you know, I got two weeks. I'm going to do this full, this full time. Wow. And he said, I knew you would quit, but I didn't think it was going to be this soon. This was yeah. about three years in. Yeah. Um, Did you know you were, were you going to quit to do the gaming niche or were you already starting to do no. fashion stuff? So the gaming thing in Portuguese, it worked, but you get paid by the audience who's watching your content yeah. in terms of ads and the Brazilian audience if you're getting paid in dollars, it's just you're not getting paid a lot. Yeah. So I couldn't really live off of that. Right. So I had to switch to English. Yeah. And once I switched to English, I also was kind of falling in love out of gaming. So I just started doing vlogs, just started talking about my life. And honestly, that's what took off. And I'm like, okay, perfect. Let's continue to push this. When I quit, I had about 600,000 subscribers on YouTube. Wow, already? Yeah. For yeah. your fashion channel? Yep. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Did you actually start a separate channel to do that? Or it's the same channel. Oh, cool. If you go back far enough, you're going to see a completely really? different... Really? A Portuguese-speaking gamer, Portuguese-speaking gamer, backwards hat and all. Yeah, yeah. wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually didn't really know that until yeah. I was stalking some of the podcasts that you were on to hear the backstory. And I thought that was super interesting. I was like, Alex and gaming? Like, I could not... Yeah imagine that but that's that's really cool to hear did it take you a while to get confident on camera or did the gaming part kind of help because you're doing something more active while you were speaking on camera yeah so when they so when machinima this gaming company asked me to submit um an audition tape i failed that horribly <laughs> like it was my first time in front of a camera so i like bought this green screen and i bought this like lighting equipment from amazon i'm like oh this is kind of expensive i hope i get the job and they were like can you send us another one with like more energy? <laughs> like just show a little more enthusiasm. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll try my best. It was difficult. Yeah. You know, I'm more of an introvert. I'm pretty chill, quiet yeah, person. Yeah. So I had to like bring the energy. Yes, um, yes. So it was definitely helpful to have that job because I had a producer. I had people helping me and they were teaching me, hey, you got to kind of do this or that. So that was super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You, you said you're an introvert. A lot of creators that I've spoken to are introverts. And like you might see us, whether you're on camera or you're listening to this podcast and apologies for the ambient, ambient noise. This is us. super cool. This is awesome. <laughs> we may talk like this right now and have a lot of intimation and ups and downs and everything. That's not how it started. No. And definitely not quite like this, like in person. Like we know when the camera is on, right? You talk with like a slightly different voice and more animated. In private, like uh, when we were at that event, we were probably two of the most quiet people yeah. at the <laughs> event where everyone else was like pretty bubbly and I was really quiet. I thought you were pretty quiet. I'm so. pretty quiet. I'm yeah. just like in my head all the time, especially now with the amount of stuff I have going on. I'm always like, oh, I should be doing yeah. this. I need to do that. I need to do that. Yeah. It's just a to-do list, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I, you talk a lot about like men's confidence and living their best selves. 
how did you become the way you are? Because you look very confident for people looking from the outside. Wasn't always this way. Did you develop the confidence over time? It definitely happened over time. It wasn't like something that clicked. Um, you know, being in front of a camera definitely. I remember the first episode I shot for for Machinima, and there were like seven people in the room, and I had to perform. Right, yeah. I had to like shoot this video kind of like live wow. and it was nerve like I was yeah. sweating wow. you know so those experiences that's how I built this confidence it wasn't something that just happened overnight yeah, yeah 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 you share a lot of the beautiful things that you have in your life right now like uh well at least that you get to experience like cars and and watches and your home like beautiful places and your beautiful girlfriend um yes she is Thank yeah <laughs> uh that definitely helps to with the confidence. But let's say if we strip that away, what else do you think has helped to really build that confidence? Because I think it's a little hard to for people to see and be like, well, you're so successful. Of course, you're confident now. There must be other things like maybe you have radical belief in yourself or um, you. if we strip you from this environment, you know you can still build everything from scratch. Is that sort of the, the things that go through in your mind that help you? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, that's a great question. I think, shout out to my mom, first of all. You know, she really pushed me outside of my comfort zone. When I was a kid in Brazil, I studied to get into a military school that was extremely difficult to get into. And I studied a lot to get into that and just getting into that school, building friendships there and just listening to my mom telling me that I could do it. Um, as cliche as that sounds, like it definitely helped me build my confidence. Moving to the U.S. I think crushed my confidence immediately because I was just like, I can't speak the language. I don't have friends. Yeah. You know, I don't have money. Like we're starting from scratch. But slowly but surely you know i have a competitive nature about me for sure when it comes to just anything because of sports and how you know i grew up trying to get into this military school was like the big goal of my childhood yeah. and i apply that to everything that i do mm -mm. you know i so i was thinking about this uh, recently and i was like how did i get here right of course there's a lot of work but how what why 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 am i here like yeah. this is an amazing place yeah it's not because i have I am the most handsome or I have the best fashion or any of that, or I have, you know, the most consistent YouTube channel. It's just because I've been grinding for a long time. Yes. It's just consistent work, you know, gradually growing compound interest. And like, that's really it. How long exactly have you been doing this? I've been on YouTube for, I think, coming up on 11 years now. Wow. Yeah. 11 years. 11 years. years. It's a OG. long time. Yeah. 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 So yeah. in what year did it sort of really take off? Were there periods of peaks and troughs? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so many periods. Yeah. So many times I almost quit. I'm not going to lie. Really? So close. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so when I switched from Portuguese to English, my audience hated me. Mm. <laughs> you yeah, know? I bet, I bet. They were like, you traitor. Yeah, How yeah. could you do this to Brazil? Yeah. And I had to explain it, but they don't get it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they didn't really understand uh, why. And if you explain why, they're like, oh, so you're doing it for the money. It's like, no, because I want to actually do it full time. Yeah. And if I don't do this... I'm going to have to quit doing this yeah, yeah. and get another job. So I might as well just try it. And I lost a ton of subscribers. I would put so much effort into my videos. And every time I posted, I would lose hundreds of subscribers. Really? And it was just really, it was really weird, uh, a weird period for me. Mm. Because I would put so much effort into things. And I, it just wouldn't translate into views or 
you know, subscribers, uh, subscriber growth. So it was, it was a tough moment. Mm. I'm so glad that I pushed through because in the end it was the best decision I've ever made, but it was tough. Yes. Yes. Because, um, during that time, all of these things affect your psyche, right? You think that, oh, because this dropped, therefore this is wrong. This content is bad, but that's not always the case. It's just the wrong audience for now. And you really needed to push through before you can see the results and basically like the fruits of your labor, right? And, you know, at the time, even friends and, you know, no disrespect or anything, but they were they were like, what are you doing? Dude? Yeah. You have like a pretty good thing going. Like you have like 100,000 subscribers in Brazil. You're like the game, the cool gamer guy is what they used to say. And I'm like, but I don't like gaming anymore. Yeah. And this is not doing anything for me. It's a cool hobby, but it's a lot of time. I mean, yeah. you know what it's like to be successful at this job, you have to put in a lot of work yeah, and yeah, continue yeah. every Definitely. single day. There's no stopping. Yeah. You gotta right? show up. You gotta show up. So for me, you know, I was like, man, am I doing the right thing? Because all my friends are saying I'm probably not. My audience is saying I'm probably not. Yeah. Uh, all right. Just one more video. Yeah. Just one more video. Let's keep it going. And that's that's how I went. Okay. So once you pushed through, that was like when you had 100K. You know, is that when you switched when you had 100K on yeah, YouTube? Yeah, about, I, had, I think I had like 130,000 and then... It, I went down to like 115 or something. Wow, okay. <laughs> I was wow. losing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so then from there, you started posting fashion. How long did it take for it to get to the 600K when you quit your job from Google? I did a few collaborations with um, other guys who were in the space at the time. We were about the same size. Mm-hmm. I started posting content that I kn- knew would perform well that wasn't on YouTube yet. Like hair content for men mm-hmm. was something that really helped my channel grow mm-hmm. and just was more intentional with my content, ran it as a business instead of, oh, this is a fun gaming thing for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then from there, I I think maybe the next peak was that 2020 when TikTok came along and I heard that Robbie was the one who pushed you to post on TikTok. And that sort of brought your Instagram up too. Like yeah. more than double, I think it doubled your follower count. Yeah, my Instagram grew a lot, be- mostly because of Reels too. Yeah. You know, so when Reels came out, I knew that Instagram was going to push it. Any yes. new feature, they're just going to push. Yes. So I was like, okay, well, I'm good at video. I've been doing video for a long time. I'm worse at photos. Photos was kind of newer to me, you know. So I'm like, oh, how can I apply my knowledge in video to Reels and TikTok? And I started, you know, posting educational, just what I do, educational videos on, on those platforms. Because at first when TikTok came out, I was like, I, there's no chance. I'm not, I'm not dancing. <laughs> I'm not doing any of yeah. that. I don't want to post on another platform. I'm yeah. overworked. I'm tired. Yeah. Like that's literally how I felt. And Robbie's like, just post whatever. Just mm. like you have the content, just post it, have fun. She was at like 100,000 followers pretty quickly, mm-hmm. you know. So she really pushed me and I, I really owe it to her to have gotten on so early on TikTok. Wow. Yes, yes. I think there is a first mover's advantage there for newer platforms. But nonetheless, like obviously you're already good at video content and you already had a lot of content that you're able to put out consistently. I noticed that your content is very value-driven always, especially on the YouTube channel. I think on Instagram, TikTok, maybe there's a few more like casual vlogging. Do you foresee that continuing this way where you just continue to put out value-driven content versus are you now because you have a lot of followers now do you think you can start pivoting to being more like a how do I say not like celebrity but like a public figure where people just want to know about you I go back and forth yeah. you know for me I don't know like I'm just 
I love providing value. Yeah. And a video to me that doesn't provide value is a waste of time. Mm, 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 I, don't, I don't know. It's just, I, I love doing the little transitions on reels. I think it's so cool. But people don't really get to know who I am. Yes. You yes. know, so it's kind of, it's kind of, I don't know if it works. Yeah. I, I don't feel as fulfilled. Yeah. It, it, it. works. I, I mean, I guess it works in terms of views, in terms of mm -hmm. growth. It works. But I don't feel as good. Yeah. You know, I love it when I get a comment that says, hey, man, I changed my style because mm -hmm. of you. I got a job because of you. I got a girlfriend because of you. That makes my day. Yeah. But if it's like a cool outfit to another cool outfit, it's fine. But it's not my purpose. I think that ties back to the thing that you said earlier about your mission, because you have this as your North Star. So you always are going in the right direction because of that. So then you can make your decisions on your content because you know the ultimate goal is to inspire people or provide value. Yeah, I've scrapped yeah. a lot of content um, because mm -hmm. it just didn't provide enough value. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of common sense. And it's, I don't know, you start to doubt yourself. This is kind of dumb. I don't like it. No one's going to like it. Not posting it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. We all go through that. Yeah. But actually, I did notice something interesting. Um, just like passing observation. Tell me if you think it's true. I find that male followers are less interactive than female followers. And I find that fashion, male fashion influencers are like a rare breed where there's very few of them. Right? Yeah. And then you guys always come together, which is great, great community. But somehow men don't want to admit that they care about fashion, but they care because they obviously care because they follow you and they like it. They watch your stuff, but they don't like to seem to interact. So it's a give and take, right? It's interesting because I owe my career to these men who are maybe sometimes scared of asking yeah. their friends or their parents about hair advice or fashion mm -hmm. advice or grooming advice. And they're like, how do I do my beard on YouTube? And then they find me. So, you know, it's been great in that, in those terms. But I feel like guys have a long way to go yeah, still. Yeah. You know, I live in New York. I used to live in L.A. In those cities, I think it's a little more common for guys to, to dress well, whatever. But it's still seeping in through other areas. It's still going to take a little while. But, I mean, there's n there's no better feeling than just like, Feeling yourself, you yeah. know, just being like, I feel good today. I'm, I'm going to crush this job interview. Yeah. And once they catch a little bit of that feeling, it's it changes the person. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, you talked about living now in New York and coming from L.A. Uh, you said you moved to L.A. Uh, that was many, many years ago. Ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. And recently you moved away from L.A., right? Last just year moved to New York six months ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Fresh. Still getting lost every yeah. day. Wow. Yeah. I thought you were going to move to Florida or, or yeah. was it uh, Texas? Yeah. So of... we were looking into Austin yeah. and we were looking into Miami. Robbie said, I need a beach. Yeah. So Austin was out of the, the, see, yeah. the list. And um, I ended up getting a place in Miami and we'll be spending winters there. Got so it. the goal is, you know, spend as much time in New York as possible just to soak up the culture, the people, the communities. Like I really love the fashion here. There's so much to do. The food. Ugh. Yeah, um, it's amazing here. But the weather starting January yeah, is yeah. brutal. Yeah, it's so, yeah oh, so. I should censor that. <laughs> no. Can you swear in this podcast? Is yeah, it cool? I'll just bleep it. All right, cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, for us, it's like, you know, we definitely love New York. Um, but one, tax reasons. Yes. Two, um, weather reasons. I love that you're very open about saying it was for tax reasons. Because I think for some reason when... 
public figures are open about saving money on taxes, people get really worked up. They do. Um, and so, so some people will like kind of say like, there are 10 reasons why I'm moving away from California. And at the very end, like, well, the last reason is because taxes. And you're like, come on, that's the only reason. <laughs> that's higher up on that list. <laughs> yeah, you know? not, not the only reason, but very, very high. Like yeah. number one or two. Yeah, it, it's got to be. I mean... It, California is crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just a lot. And the state of California, I saw that the mayor of LA posted something today about, like, what was it? A state of emergency for homelessness today. Yeah. yeah and it makes sense. Yeah. You know, it, it was really sad because I would love coming back home from yeah. any trip, no matter where I went in the world, going home to LA. I love it so much. But then I started feeling like I didn't want to come to LA anymore. And I was dreading going home. And I'm like, okay, this is not a good feeling. Robbie wasn't happy either. She's like, I don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And we decided, okay, New York and Miami, that's the way to go. I Not see. that New York is any safer, let's yeah. say, yeah. but it's just something new. It's something fresh. It's something exciting. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I feel a sense of community that you don't feel in LA. Mm. Everyone's doing their own thing in their cars or whatever. In New York, like you walk a block, you're into yeah. Chinatown, you walk another yeah. couple blocks, you're in like little Italy and you feel that sense of community. And it's, it's really cool. So what I love about New York versus L.A. is I noticed that w when I was just in L.A. a week ago, people are very relaxed. And I, w I would prefer to be around people who are just like on to the next thing and they know where they're going in six months or six years. <laughs> I say six months because our job is very unpredictable. Right? It's, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the difference that I notice. Is that also for you too? Like you want to be surrounded by people who are like really on the go. A hundred percent. And then also I felt a little trapped in LA in the creator world. Mm, like mm. that's all I would only hang out with creators. Um, I would only talk about the algorithm. Yes, yes. And it was getting to me just yes. because it I needed some different stimulation in my life. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So being here, I'm meeting so many different people that do different jobs and I'm yeah. amazed by it. And I'm, you know, super excited to learn. Yeah. Because when it comes to the creative, uh, creative jobs that we have, I, I love it and I want to continue to grow and there's always something new to learn. But at some point you're like, I just want to talk about something different. Yes, you know, tell yeah. me how you rent your exotic cars. I yeah, want to know yeah, about yeah. that business. Yeah, tell me yeah. about real estate. Yeah. You know, I, I really like that. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Um, I, I love when you share all your car stuff that your hair and your car. Those are like the two things that's like your <laughs> signature to me. But I personally love cars too. And I would, I wish I could have just like one of the experiences that you've had, what's like most memorable ride? So last year, um, I went to Austin with McLaren and I did a lot of laps around Circuit of the Americas, which is the track that they have there for F1. And yeah. it's just like an amazing track. Yeah. And getting to drive a McLaren 720S around that track was just it was amazing. And it was so cool. Yeah, wow. It, it was the best experience for sure. That's so Not only cool. because I got to drive, but also because I had a professional driver yeah. next to me telling me what to do. Oh. And I can guarantee you that I was not going fast enough, not braking fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, those guys are crazy. Yeah, yeah. I took wow. a lap um, with a very famous driver. He's the nephew of Ayrton Senna, who was like an F1 legend. So he drove me around the lap twice, like top speed, flat out. I was scared. Yeah. I don't get scared usually. I don't, I'm not scared of heights. Yeah. I've been skydiving. Like, I was really scared. Wow. It was crazy. Wow, yeah. It was, wow. it was an, an experience. amazing experience. Yeah. And you were in Monaco too. Yeah. Wow. That's a very special experience. Yeah. I saw the F1 race this year in Monaco. Yeah. It was sick. It was yeah. so cool. 
do a lot of these car companies are some of them more collaborations where they uh, gift you like an experience and then others are also paid opportunities because I noticed that, you know let's say rewind to five to ten years ago very few of them actually had paid budget for influencers but those things are changing right now they have more budget i feel like car especially especially the you know top car you know exotic cars they don't usually pay mm -hmm. it's usually an experience it's usually you get the car for a couple weeks do whatever you want just don't yeah. break it um and they're like give us whatever content you want to okay. so it's pretty open in in those terms yes you know i've worked with lamborghini mclaren ferrari um aston martin and it's very much usually like here's a car take it for a spin whenever you need whatever town you're in you can take a car from us yeah, uh, yeah which is yeah. very cool mm. you know it's mm. it's a great opportunity but it's usually not paid yes yes i okay who did i see recently i literally just saw it today it was a female influencer and she it was crystal blit lamborghini Nice. It says Lamborghini partner. So I was like, is Lamborghini paying female influencers? <laughs> that Hit would be awesome. Up. Yes. Hit me up. <laughs> Hit her up right now, Lambo. Come on. I know they're not like typically paying people, but I thought it was very interesting because I see other uh, male photographers as well, like Jacob, Jacob on Instagram. So he posts a lot of like high end like car content. And I was always curious, like, oh, do they have budget? Yeah, I thought not. I think a lot of the photographers might actually get paid because they're delivering a ton of content. And that makes sense. Because maybe it's know? licensed for commercial. Yeah, that makes sense. I think for me, they're they're looking more for the lifestyle and just just show the lifestyle. Yeah. You know, we want to be associated with the brand, and that's kind of it. So it's a it's pretty chill. Not yeah. gonna lie. Yeah, I got to drive a McLaren 720s back to Cape Cod, where I told you we moved to. Uh, you know, many many years ago. Yes, where I had no car, and yeah. when I did get a car, it was like this really old Jetta had a big dent on the door side, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I got to drive it back there, and it was just such a surreal moment. Yes. Yeah. You know, full circle moment. Unbelievable. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think that helps with your personal brand. So it goes like the, the showcasing the whole experience that continues to help build your brand as well and your image. So I think that's still a very, very organic fit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Would you ever create a Portuguese channel like dubbed even? I've thought about it yeah. a lot. Because um, you know how Mr. Beats does that with mm, all different languages. But I heard that he's going to scrap that and put it onto one channel because now you can choose the language now. Not just captions, but you can choose the dub language soon, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, so there's a lot of technology that's coming out right now that will make this a lot more helpful and easier. Mm -hmm. So obviously, um, the deep fake technology, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's getting easier to use and more accessible. I had a company reach out to me saying that they could just change my mouth and add a voice mm, in mm, Spanish or mm. German or whatever. Um, this was probably a year and a half ago. And when I saw it, he made me like rap one of Eminem's songs. It was kind of weird. Wow. <laughs> but it wasn't super clean. Yeah, like the yeah. technology is, is just not there yet. But I think within the next three years, that's very feasible. Mm. Um, I think if I dubbed my own content in Portuguese, it would be a little bit of a cop out. Yeah. But I don't know if that's just a pride thing yeah. or if I'm afraid of what the audience would say knowing that I'm Brazilian right. or, you know, because I, I definitely want to do it. Yeah. I've been exploring uh, languages for sure. Spanish. Um, I was actually going to open a Russian channel really? in the beginning of the year. Oh. And then obviously things went south. 
with yeah. Russia in general. And I was like, I can't, yeah, I can't support yeah. that. Yeah. But they have a massive audience. Mm. Yeah. Is that a huge part of your audience in particular? It's not. And that was another reason why I wanted to do oh, it because I it's see. just untapped. Right. Yeah. I see. You want to expand into audiences that you don't have versus like create double the effort to cater to something that they're, they, you already have. Exactly. And they already love what you're doing. Exactly. So right. for me, it would definitely be Spanish, Portuguese, if I can do it myself. Maybe we'll dub it. We'll see. And then Russian. Oh, I see. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Good to hear that. That's like part of it. But um, I heard on Colin and Samir's channel that YouTube is... Um, potentially going to make dubbing a thing so you don't even need multiple channels anymore so then that would that would be amazing yeah it would yeah. make it really convenient although i thought of it and i was like well having different uh channels is also like a backup plan like imagine if you put it all dubbed on one channel and then you go one channel to like being huge what if it like some there's some technical error for some reason or whatever you know then like that one video getting demonetized means all languages that's so right you that's get shadow just, banned you're done that's just <laughs> another risk when you get really big yeah and that's something that you have to start thinking about you know as a creator yeah. and i see that you're doing this too is like you can't put all your eggs in one basket yeah, you yeah. know when you learn that pretty quickly as a creator yes. uh, because you go through times of trial that your videos are not performing well you're not getting the engagement that you once used to get especially as you kind of age you know as a creator yes, you've been yes. doing it for a while yes um so it's that's why i have the businesses that's yes. why you know i'm on every platform that's why i'm pushing hard right now while i can so I know you started the first Forte series because it was just like brands were coming to you. You're seeing the conversion. You're like, I should be um, creating something because I could just do it just as good or even better and then take more profit. But other than that, the other businesses, were they just a natural extension of that the need from your audience? Or is that sort of a diversification strategy or both? It was literally both. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, with Forte series, like you said, I was getting, um, I was promoting brands that first of all, were not even for men, you know, it was like Moroccan oil, which is, I guess for both, but like, they weren't like a male brand. Right. right? Um, and other brands like Moroccan oil. And I was just like, why am I doing this? You know, these guys, like they deserve something, first of all, better, more catered to them, marketed yeah. towards them. Yeah. And then also I feel like the product could be better like yeah. it's just not made properly they don't put a, a ton of effort into that product development as much effort as, as they put into a women's product for example yeah, right yeah. so that's when it all started and it took us two years to launch our first product two years. yeah because wow. we don't white label anything we yeah. make everything from scratch wow. and that was something that i told my business partners at the time I'm like this is this needs to happen i cannot white label it needs to be it needs to be really good mm. so we launched one product and then about a year later we were able to launch the the second second batch of products. Mm. So it took a while. Now, the other brands, you know, I have a skincare brand and an apparel brand. And skincare was just a natural kind of evolution. Like, I, I know that guys need it. Yes. Um, the whole purpose of Africa Skincare is like, set it and forget it. It's a subscription service. You get it every couple months. Yeah. That's what guys want. Yeah. It needs to be easy. It needs to be simple. Otherwise, they're not, they're going to forget to buy it again. It's just, I, I understand that, you know, that world. So that's what they needed. And then for ATOS, I love fashion. Like, I just wanted to create something really cool for guys that they felt good in. Yeah. And, um, and with good quality. Also wanted to challenge myself. Wanted yeah. to see, can I do a fashion brand? You know, let's, let's give it a shot. Sick and tired of posting reels that you spent hours creating just to see it flop? Need a tried and true formula so that you can finally get your first 10K, 100K, or even 1 million view reel? 
If this sounds like you, then you need to join the Reels Rocketship program. In this program, we teach you everything you need to know about going viral and growing with Reels, from how the algorithm works to how to convert those views into follows. We cover it all. Head to reelsrocketship.com or simply click the link in our show notes to join today and skyrocket your follower growth with Reels. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so out of these three, which one had the most explosive results when you first launched them? Uh, Forte, for sure. Yeah. Forte series, yeah. At the time, you know, I think it was probably around like the peak of my channel. Like my channel was doing super well. Um, I was one of the only ones doing it. Mm. Still am, but even more so back then. Yeah, yeah. And there were no other men's hair brands that were doing well besides a couple of other ones. Yes. And... You know, I hyped it up a lot. Also, to be fair, like I had a lot more time yeah. back then to like hype it up, yeah. you know, to post about it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like nowadays, like I have a launch and I, I'm already thinking about the next one. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that first weekend we sold really well and yeah. it was exciting. And yeah, it was it was really fulfilling. Do you think uh, as as sort of creators who are also entrepreneurs, we get shiny object syndrome? We're like, launching is super fun. We love to launch because we see the big results. But then we're like, okay, what's next? And then you're like creating multiple things. I see this with a lot of people. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I see it pulling them in different directions. I have a few other uh, friends who are like really, really big um, and they do this. And I think on the surface, they look very successful, but I know they're like super exhausted and they're pulled in all different directions. Yeah, no, I, I certainly feel like that sometimes, you know, it's it's a lot of work. And I do try to take time to appreciate everything that I have, everything that's happening in my life. Yeah. All, you know, these successes, I don't take it for granted, but I am always thinking about what's next. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's kind of the curse there, you know? Yeah. Like I'm always thinking, okay, this is cool, but what if I launch more something else next month? You know, yeah. like it's just, that's how it goes. Yeah. Have you found that with your Forte series, now that you have many products, is there like a best performing product? Is it like an 80-20 rule? Will you be creating more products or cutting down and just focusing on the the ones that are best selling? Uh, We'll be creating more products. Yeah, I think guys are, you know, finally starting to explore more with their hair. So, you know, you see a lot of like curly hairstyles now, uh, longer hairstyles. So it's been fun to create products specifically for those needs. So the way that we run our product development is kind of backwards, which I love. And it makes us really different. Basically, what we do is this. We have an audience, right? And that audience tells us what they need. Mm. So I'm making products that they want. I already know they want it. I'm not making a product and then trying to sell, hey, you really need this. Trust me. No, I know you need it because you told me you need it. So it's backwards. We do research with my audience. We ask them questions, get feedback, and then we create the product around that need. So right now, uh, the audience is telling us that we do need more products. So I that's what we're working see. on. Yeah. I see. Understood. I love that that approach because traditional businesses is like, let's create a product and then let's find the audience for it. Now creators are doing it backwards. Let's just grow an audience. I don't even know what I'm going to do with this audience yet. And then I'll figure out a product that makes sense. Like we don't set out to, to create a course or create a uh, clothing line or anything. And you don't even know what kind of audience you're growing yeah, when you're yeah. you're just posting and you're kind of figuring yeah. it out you know and then 
it clicks at one point. You're like, ah, this is my purpose on social media. This yes. is what I'm meant to be doing. This is the audience that I that I need. So, you know, it's okay. Oh so then once you have that audience, then you kind of work backwards and create something for them. What I noticed is very special about how you do your businesses is that you always have business partners. So it seems like you want to go far, but you don't go alone. And you work with different partners for the operations. And I assume, are you mostly on the content and marketing side of things and then sort of market research? Yeah. So basically what I do for for the three brands, Forte, Apricus, and ASOS is creative direction, yeah. um, product development, I'm not talking to manufacturers. We do have a person who is the, like that link. Yeah. I talk to her. her name's Vicky. Shout out Vicky. And then she talks to the manufacturers. Mm. And I'm the one who's testing first. So uh, I'll kind of give you how like the steps, right? Yeah. So I, we talk to the audience. We find out what kind of products we need. And then we say, okay, let's start developing this product. Let's use this kind of scent, this texture, this density, whatever. Yeah. Make the first sample. I get the sample myself. I test it out. I give them notes and we keep doing that, you know, that dance until we get to a sample. Sometimes it's the second one. We haven't had a first one yet. Yeah. Sometimes it's like the 10th one. Yeah. It takes a while wow. sometimes. But once we have that, then we send it out to a few select guys from my audience to mm -hmm. test out. Mm -hmm. So they test it out. They give us feedback, which is awesome. Super mm -hmm. helpful. And then we decide whether or not we're going to launch it or... Mm -hmm tweak it and um, whatnot. So that's a big part of my job. Uh, another part of, is, of course, promoting it, you know, doing the marketing, teaching my team how influencer marketing works, yeah. seeing what's out there, testing out different brands, uh, you know, keeping a pulse on the influencer world to see who's promoting what. So that's that's pretty much it for me. So that means you have experience from the influencer side, but also from like a brand side where you reach out to influencers. Do you generally, I know you do work a lot with the, the your close friends group, but how has it been working with maybe influencers that you have never spoken to or, or maybe they, they don't, you're not in the same circle? It's been interesting. Yeah, it's been cool. I mean, honestly, we've had pretty good experiences so far. That's great. I feel like the influences that we've picked um, have been great. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a lot paid, a lot product exchange. A lot of them are fans, yeah. which is super cool. Yeah, you yeah. know, uh, something that I started kind of noticing this year was how many like pretty large influencers follow me and are you know, looking and look up to the brands yeah. and to the, to the job that I've been doing. So it's, it's really cool. I, well, I, I didn't notice, <laughs> I hadn't noticed that before, you really? know, because when you're just like heads down, just yeah, doing your yeah. own thing. And then we started working with influencers. I'm like, I'm talking to my, you know, marketing manager, Matt. And I'm like, so, you know, how much are we paying? What's the deal? He's like, no, he just really likes you. I'm like, what? Really? That's awesome. It's like 300K. He's like, you know, he's killing it. Yeah. yeah. So it's been really awesome. Yeah. Really, really awesome. Um, we've had a, a lot of influencers that have worked with us, you know, come out and say they love the product or they love working with us. And we try to, because I'm an influencer, I know what influencers are looking for. Yes. You know, so when we're dealing with them, I, I try to make it easy for them. Exactly. Yes, yes. I had a brief experience with a clothing line um, and it was just like a 10 piece clothing line. And I did do some of the outreach, although there was a team that was doing the outreach and I specifically told them I was like you have to tell them there's no pressure to post like we don't want to and we also have to say that we would only ever share it for organic usage we would never 
put any paid amplification behind their posts. And so I made sure I, I communicated with that, that to them so that there wouldn't be any miscommunication because then that would reflect on my brand. Like I would be the influencer who's taking advantage of other influencers. I would never want that to happen. Exactly. And you have to be really careful with that. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, yes, I have these different businesses, but they're still very much attached to my name yes. and my brand. Yes. So I am extremely careful with yeah. everything that I do. I try to make sure that I overlook and approve everything because once you lose trust mm. in this field, mm. it's kind of over. It's you hard know, to get it back. like if people don't trust you, if yeah. your brand goes down like that, it's it's pretty difficult to get get it back. Yeah. Yeah. So then you made named it like all different names, although they do sound similar. Is that because you want to eventually detach your face from the brand? And, and is that sort of the goal in the next few years to continually grow your personal brand? Of course, but to also have, make sure that it can continue on its own without you. 100%. Yeah. So when we were naming Forte, um, the first one, I was like, should we do Alex Costa? Should we do Costa? You know, mm. what should we do? Talked to my business partners. They were kind of half and half as well. And we decided to create a name for it just because it makes sense to detach myself as time goes on, Yeah. you know. Um, but I see a lot of influencers creating brands with their names yeah. and it's working well. So, yeah. I mean, and look at all these other brands, you know, that celebrities own that is namesake that like from their, their names and Tom Ford. And I mean, there's a lot of brands that are just their names. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just felt weird calling something my name <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. i just like i don't know if it's imposter syndrome or what but weird. i was like eh, it's kind of like egotistical egotistical or yes. something i don't know let's call yeah. it something else yeah, yeah 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 so when i um had the line i couldn't come up with a name like i'm very bad with names so i was like oh gosh and we were on a time crunch i was like just just call it tina lee creations for now and then when i got the addresses and on the tag it was like tina lee creations i'm wearing it around my waist i'm like this is so weird like right i take it off and my name's on it and then everyone's gonna wear it and my name is on it but that's all in our heads i think Maybe. i honestly i honestly think so yeah, you know, I probably. think if it was called your name and it was successful, who cares? Like, that's, that's right, amazing. That's right. Right? And then eventually they won't even know who, like, know. Tina Lee Alex Costa is um, because they'll just be buying it because it's the brand itself. Yeah, yeah. 100%. There's so many brands. I, I don't know who John Elliott is, to be honest with yeah, you. And it's like, I, it's a big brand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a cool name, though. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. I'm sure it would have been fine. Yeah. But I wanted to do something different. Definitely. So can we kind of switch a bit and talk a bit about brand partnerships? Yeah. You have these three platforms and you're huge on all of them. Do you have a favorite platform when it comes to brand deals? Because I know, so a lot of YouTubers say it's so much work to do YouTube sponsorships, but it pays the best. And people say that Instagram it, uh, pays second best, but is a lot less work. So they like that. And then TikTok pays much, much less. What's right. your experience? Yeah. It's been changing a lot lately. I feel like if you asked me that last year, no question, YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's kind of changing though, isn't it? Like short vertical content is kind of taking over. It is. I'm not saying I like it, but that's just where we are. Mm. I think my favorite right now is probably, probably Instagram. Close second is YouTube though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm at a I'm at a weird having weird feelings about YouTube right now. Yeah, tell me, tell me. I don't know. It's just like it's it's changing so much. Yeah, YouTube didn't change is. for the longest time. Yes, yes. And then now it's like all of a sudden it's completely different. Yeah. Um everything from content creation and how you hook people in to the thumbnails to how long your videos are 
to how quick you have to show information right away. Mm-hmm. It has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I was watching some of my old videos the other day. Um, and it was, they were so slow. Yeah. They were yeah. just chill. I would just yeah. talk. And now it's like Mr. Beast. You yeah, know, that's yeah, the style yeah. that's performing well. Yeah. I hired a hundred people to keep their hands on this 10 million jet for 24 hours. And let's see who's going to get off first. That's you know? right. Explosion, jet, money. Yes, yes. And I'm like, how do I compete with that? Yeah, yeah. You know? I just wonder, there must be a world where this style is not appealing. Like, I love to watch, you know, those like like videos where people go out into the wilderness and they build their own hut. Like, I I watch that stuff for one hour. Wait, what's it? Alone? Alone. Oh, it's so good. With with like hardly any equipment. Oh, I caught Robbie watching that like a month ago and I got (laughs) sucked into it. (laughs) Yes. It was crazy. It's it was so awesome. Calming. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's kind of, uh, that's why podcasts are doing well, I think, because it's like yin and yang. Like you have like the crazy Mr. Beast stuff and then you have the podcast, you know, yes. two hours long or yes. whatever. And people really like that. So yes. um, my videos are in between. Mm-hmm. You know, they used to be like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now I'm bringing them down to like six minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Because it's hard to keep people engaged for 10 minutes nowadays. Yes. It's really difficult. And, you know, changing the editing style, changing, adding sounds and adding, changing my thumbnails completely. You know, do I post shorts? Do I not post shorts? Do I create, I have a separate channel for shorts now. It has like 200,000 yeah. subscribers. Yeah. Do I continue to post it there or do I post it on my main channel? Yeah, yeah. And even when you ask, when I ask my YouTube rep, they don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> There's no really crystal know. ball. Yeah. So... They don't know, and it's kind of you're just trial and error at that point. That's really yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that everyone's having this identity crisis, including the platforms and then the creators on the platforms, including the platforms. Yeah. Yep. So it's not just YouTube. Like Instagram was having this since like 2020. You know, ever since TikTok blew up, I think everyone was like, "Ha ha ha!" Freaking out. I blame TikTok for yeah, all of yeah, this. Yeah. I'm just gonna go ahead and blame TikTok. <laughs> Me too. I'm I'm in the same mind as you, and I don't know if this is because I am like 35 and I feel like I identify more with the traditional type of content, like the visuals. That's what completes me, and that was that's you make what, that amazing makes me happy. videos. Your videos are it's so cool. So, so you know sad. what I mean? It makes me sad that it, that's no longer really a thing. Even photos, like photos, can be great. I, want, I, I don't want to like be polarizing, but I just feel like the relatability stuff, like, oh, do it on a phone to be relatable, you know, do it like you like a selfie video to be relatable. That sounds mediocre. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yes, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to half-ass this yeah, so yeah, that people yeah. feel like it's relatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I pride myself in like getting a nice, crisp, you know, yeah, smooth, steady yeah, video, like yeah. trying to f- figure out a cool way to showcase something. It's not because you're trying to show off or anything. It's just as a creative, you want to get the best video possible because you you take pride in that. I yeah. get goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah. But nowadays we're in this era where like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. To, to tone it down. You yeah. Know I mean, no, just yeah. use your phone. Don't yeah. use don't use a camp. Don't color correct. Yeah. You know. I I get it, but I also don't love it. Yeah, I have noticed that you sort of making that change slightly. Um, And has your audience been responding well to that? Because one thing I also noticed is just because that everyone else is doing it and it's working well for them doesn't mean it's going to work well for your existing audience. Exactly. And I go back and forth. You know, sometimes um, a little video will pop off and I shot it on my phone. 
sometimes it's like, wow, this this camera video actually worked out really well. Mm. But I think what I see working right now for me is talking videos. Mm. Um, get ready with me yeah. videos, showing a little bit more personality, you know, which is what I like doing anyway. That's what's been working. Mm. But I did have a moment there for a while that was just like cool transitions and this and that and explosions. Yeah. But um, I'm just kind of tired of those at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I'm going to stick to my transitions for now because that's what I'm known for. But we'll see Yours how that goes. Ama- and you're known for it, though. That's the difference. You know, that's literally your thing and you do such a great job. I I, I watch your videos sometimes and I send them to my editors. I'm like, this is so cool. Oh, thank you, you know, so much. Yeah, no, it's, it's really amazing. It works really well for you. Thank you. And I'm sure that that kind of, you know, seeps into... Um, your your course that you have yeah, now right yeah, yeah, yeah which is definitely. super cool yeah so that's one of the reasons i find you do have to lean into your strengths so like you can look at other people doing casual stuff and be like wow they're doing great but you have to remember like what is your uh superpower and i realized like that's my superpower i remember when i met you with justin that yeah, you know yeah. in, in at fairmont and uh shout out justin and um I was just with him. You like were last shooting. Week. I saw that you were with him yeah, on yeah, your story. Yeah. yeah, like a few weeks ago. I you shoot shot something with Justin, and it was yeah. so cool. And I was like, "Wow, she's amazing!" Like her <laughs> content is super dope. And that was before reels. You know, it was before yeah, all was of that. But reels. you were shooting some really mind blowing stuff that like other people couldn't replicate. You know Thank what I mean? Thank you so much. That's definitely your power. Oh, Got to figure out how to keep replicating that and then keep one-upping myself. Because, you know, not that there is a limit to creativity, but in, once you do one idea once, it's very hard to do it again and make it really, really good. Superpower, like leaning into your superpower and, and not just looking at whatever everyone else is doing and getting sidetracked by that because it is nice to it's very important as creators to to adapt yeah but it's also very important to not forget why you are unique and not try to be like everyone else it's difficult though isn't it because you see you know tiktok and these kids and they're crushing it crushing it it. and like man what do i need to do right and then you try to do it like them and it doesn't work because that's not me yeah right i'm i'm not 18 and you know i'm 34 it's 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 different yeah it's different yeah so i i've been through the i've done my rounds i've tried it all and i'm like let's just come back to providing value yeah that's what i do best let's do that i think no matter in what world providing value will always win so it's just a matter of what format it looks like but then ultimately it will still win but what i'm going to try and do it i've decided that i'm going to create creative content that speaks to marketers, speaks to the PR people that are the ones gatekeeping the campaigns so that even if I don't get the same reach as someone doing like an organic, uh, like a phone video, I know they would still hire me with a high budget because ultimately they're going to pay for that creativity and the brand, even if it doesn't perform, they're going to appreciate it and they're going to hire you again. And it's something they, it's going to be hard for them to find somebody who does it at your level. It's really difficult, you know. Sure, they can get a TikToker to do a talking video. It's cool and they would get maybe a million views or whatever. But they're not going to get the beautiful, crisp content that, you know, that showcases their brand at that level like you do. So that's something good to think about. If anybody listening is having this identity crisis, think about what can make you stand out beyond what is trending right now. Like, is it your personality, the way you tell a story or your creativity or like the unique visuals or editing that you have? And don't be afraid to keep leaning in on that because ultimately like there's a 
type of content for everyone. There really is, you know, and that's why I continue. I'm like, uh, I go back and forth with the camera and the phone situation. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, for get ready with me video, for example, I use the phone. But anything else, I'm like, let's just do the camera. Like, yeah. that's I, I just love the way that it looks that yeah. it looks. And, you know, brands that I work with appreciate it. Yeah. So. Well, I will say it's all very cohesive on your page. Thank I don't you. I don't see um, too much like I don't see like, oh, this is a phone photo or anything like that. I just feel like, oh, that's all Alex Costa, his brand. And it's just very consistent. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I, I really try. Consistency is key. Yes. That's really key. Yes. And it's also the hardest part of our jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But at a, at some point, I think for you, maybe it's more like you can't not show up. At this point, like you just have to be there. Yeah, the pressure though, huh? Because you Can't have not show up. Oof. Yeah, because now you have like how many streams of income, and you need like it's too much to lose at this it's point. It's too much to lose. You know, I don't think people understand that. Yeah. This job, you don't really take vacations. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. there's no big like. I'm like, I'm gonna take the weekend off. I wake up and I'm like, okay, let me get this post ready first. Mm. You know, get the post ready, blah, blah, blah. All right, it's been like an hour and a half. Yeah. Okay, well, how about the thumbnail for the YouTube channel? Let me check with my designer just to make sure that the thumbnail is good. Next thing you know, you're working the whole day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because you can't not post. Yeah. It's just not an option if you yeah. want to continue to be successful at this job. So there's no days off. No matter where you are, you have to be connected. And you can take a day off if you want to try to like reset but you're thinking about it it doesn't that doesn't true. really work that's true but hopefully your businesses will be a way to sort of step out of that role eventually that's the um, goal but how i would love to know because i i don't know if you talk much about this the behind the scenes of your team I'm, I'm super curious like who's on your team how many people are there like how what what do you do and how much do they do all that kind yeah, of yeah i'm i'm so blessed to have an amazing team and an incredible business partner mm. his name is brian and um, so when I started Forte, I started the Forte with uh, another guy, guy called Ben, and he had some experience in the hair world. He, mm -hmm. he built a hair product brand before, so he had the experience that I needed, and I knew the influencer world. So we got together, created Forte, and then we hired Brian to come in and become a partner as well. Okay. A few years later, two years later, we actually. Brian and myself bought Ben out mm -hmm. because he just didn't want to do it anymore. I see. Um, he like moved to Mexico and like just wanted to chill. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. Um, so we bought him out and now it's just me and Brian running Forte, Atos and Apricus. Wow. So it's us. And then we have a team. Of course, we have staff employees. We have 12, 13 people. Now we just hired a new person this week. 13 people. Just for those three brands, mm. which has been really, really cool. Because, people. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's three brands and they work for the three. There's a couple of people that works for, for specific brands, but most of them work for the three brands. Mm. You know, so we're able to kind of pull, you know, people from one brand to work for another. So it mm. kind of works out yeah. better than having to hire specific people for specific brands I at see, the moment. At I the see. moment. I hope that we can grow enough to get to a point where we have specific teams for specific brands. I feel like that makes you focus a little more and it changes things. So they're not all the same and yeah. looking, look the same. Brian is a machine. He, you know, I, I'm pretty proud of the work that I've done with my brand. He does better at running these brands. Like really? he is so good at running yeah. these brands. You know, he, has helped me grow and I've seen his growth too mm -hmm. from when he started, mm -hmm. you know, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and it's, he's incredible. So mm -hmm. it's been great 
learning together. We're the same age, so we're kind of growing together, like really paving the path here, learning how to grow businesses, learning how to manage people. Yeah. You know, he never managed more yeah, than one wow. person. So now he's managing all these different people. He's seeing them in the office every day. We have an office in Vancouver, Canada. Mm. And um, it's been it's been a journey. Yeah. And I'm definitely learning a lot learning a lot so we have a marketing specialist we have graphic designers we have uh, product development people we mm. have i haven't announced this yet but i have an influencer friend who's coming into atos oh. to help me design oh. um which is going to be super cool and yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's been it's been really cool mm. I've, I've been learning a ton yeah, a ton, yeah. and i couldn't do it without my team yeah i could not do it yeah it'd be impossible you brought up a good point because that's also a, a slight I guess it's a pain point that I have. Like I have, you know, a, a couple different aspects. I don't have as as many products as you, of course, obviously, not as many um, brands. But I have this problem where I need one person's uh, full time job to cover all different disciplines because that's the load workload that I currently have. I can't give people like a full time job and just to be like a content marketing strategist. No, it just doesn't fill the role at this level. So you have to find people who are like, kind of like a jack of all trades mm -hmm. or to do it across brands, right? Right. So yeah, <laughs> that's hard to hire. Well, we had, yeah, we hired. Um, his name's Matt, and he's a, the influencer marketing person that we have but he's also like sending emails and yeah, you know like yeah. creating like the newsletters yeah. you have to do and he's everything. like guys like this is a lot <laughs> we're like yeah. dude just stick with us yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah. gonna get better yeah 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 and yeah we hired a graphics designer and yeah. then you know obviously we take things off his plate and yeah. for every employee it's kind of been the same story do they get like a share of the sale or is it more just like a full-time position or contractor full-time position full-time position yeah yeah nine to five usually um monday through friday we have some contractors as well that mm -hmm. work two, three days a week. Mm -mm, I see, I see. So then now, if you were to rank your different revenue sources, would you say the, like, let's say Forte is number one in terms of like gross profit, not just revenue, and then brand deals? and Yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I got my first payment from Forte and it, was, it wasn't even that much, like a couple months ago. I don't take any money from the brands because I truly believe in the future for the brands. Mm. So the way that we structured it, structured it is we created Forte. Yeah. It's profitable from the get-go. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, we took that money and we bought, uh, well, product development. We bought a ton of products, which is so expensive to buy, yeah. you know, and we continue to grow the brand. So any income that we were generating would go straight back into the brand. Mm. And then um, last year, the brand was doing well. Yeah. And instead of keeping that money or paying ourselves out, what we did um, is we built two more brands. Yeah. <laughs> so we took the funds from Forte. Yes. You know, that profit and we injected it into ATOS because just to buy, you know, T-shirts or hoodies or whatever you yeah. were trying to buy, you're spending. Inventory. 30 to 60 grand yeah, yeah. just to buy inventory. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and that money, yeah. I mean, I could put the money in myself, but let's take it from Forte. Yeah. That's better. So we did that. We did that for Apricus. And to literally a couple months ago was the first time they were like, okay, done building brands. Each brand can kind of hold their own. Yeah, Let's wow. pay ourselves a little bit. And wow. so, yeah, I'm, I'm very much like still an influencer and that's been my main source of income. Got it. And Got the goal it. is for that to continue until it gets to a point where like Forte, Apricus and ATOS are doing yeah. very, very well. I don't yeah. need to, you know, be promoting it a lot and yeah. I can just kind of chill. 
And then the branded would just be kind of optional and you only take the best one. Or I mean, you're, you're obviously taking things that you enjoy right now because sure. you're so big, you have that choice to to really pick and choose. But uh, maybe toning down or just decreasing or just, just being much more casual about it, right? That's the goal. You know, I really want to be way more casual yeah, about it. I yeah. don't want to be a slave to the algorithm. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to be, you know, posting anything that I don't want to post just because I need to post today. Yeah, totally. And I don't anyway, but... But that work in my it's it's pretty stressful. You know, you know what it's like. Yeah. So I want to get to a point where it's just like, if I don't feel like shooting today, I'm I don't really totally. I'm not gonna shoot. I'm yeah. not gonna shoot. Yeah. So I'm not there yet. You know, yeah. I'm still very much like gas, stepping on the gas, like yeah, pedal to yeah, the metal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw in the the podcast that you did with the I think it was like a alpha something. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I forgot the name alpha of the M. podcast. Um, and it, the title was Seven Figure Influencer, and that was 2021. So so I'm assuming that that has just continued to grow over the years. Yeah, it's continued to grow for That's sure. That's incredible. Yeah, it's been great. Wow. It's it's mind-boggling, you know, that you're able to make such a good living from, mm-hmm. from this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I became a full-time influencer in 2018. January, February 2018 was when I quit Google. And I wasn't making a ton of money back then but it was right. i was making more than i would make at google yes yes you know and Which i had a hundred yeah, yeah. yeah i was making six figures at google it was yeah. great but i had a hundred thousand followers on instagram yeah. Yeah. you know it was it wasn't that much so a lot of people think that you need like millions you know nowadays you really don't yeah you really don't right. and yeah, yeah it's it's getting more saturated yeah um it is not easy by any means but it's doable yeah, but also I, what I find is like the rates relative to your follower count is sort of like decreasing in terms of like relative to your follower count. So when you have a lower follower count, you can command higher rates relative to the follower count. And this is speaking from someone with like I have peers that get like similar rates to me. And I don't I don't say that's a bad thing. I just feel that's just how it is because of the reach and everything. For sure. You know, there's definitely a point where Brands are not going to pay you more. Uh, brands are probably not going to pay me more than what they're paying me now. I have 1.8 million on Instagram. If I had 2.5, I don't think I'd get that much more. Right, right. Because it's know? already a large sum. Yeah. yeah I don't. Yeah. Honestly, I don't even know if it would be any more than yeah, what yeah. I get paid now. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's definitely at that point where it's like, now I got to be at like 5 million yeah. for the rates to change, you know? Yeah. Do you mind sharing maybe how large your largest brand deal was? Yeah, it's I've it's like long-term partnerships, yeah. you know, for yeah. I've I've done a long-term partnership for a quarter million dollars. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's the most I've ever heard so far that I've interviewed people, which is really <laughs> cool. The most I heard so far was one video for 100k. Well, not 100k. Say six figures. So, but that's one that, video. That's, I've never I don't think I've ever gotten paid for yeah, 100k for a video. Yeah, so I was you like, know, Damn, so that's, that's a lot. Most, yeah, that's yeah. a lot. I've gotten paid 100k for a package, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do, yeah. you know, YouTube and TikTok yes, and Instagram yes, yes. and an event appearance and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. That totally makes sense at your size, of course. Yeah, that's incredible. So just some uh, numbers to aspire to. Yeah, there's a lot of there's honestly a lot a lot of money in here, and it also it's very profitable because like you you hire some help and. Um, you have people editing it or filming it, et cetera. But on, on, at the end of the day, it's you showing up every day with your face. And so where there is a market, where there is a need, there's going to be that that money to be injected into influence marketing. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the more I make, the more I, I spend, too. Like, I definitely have been growing my, my own personal team. So um, I Do you have, have an assistant? 
I have a, an assistant who comes in a couple days a week. I'm actually hiring right now, full-time. I'm looking for an executive assistant. Yes, I'm looking, yes. I need somebody to come and take over my life and help yes. me. <laughs> yes. Please. Alex needs a personal uh, executive. So can you tell us the difference between the two, executive versus yeah, personal? Yeah, I want this person to be just more experienced and help me run my life yeah. like tell me how to do better yeah i want this person to tell me and not me to tell them yeah, yeah. i think to me that's how i see the difference Got you know it. just like you said like being a jack of all trades that's what we are right yeah. i'm like a swiss army knife i have all the i do everything yeah. a little bit of everything but i would like to like let's focus on the brands let's focus on what i do best which is just creating content i don't really want to be doing the other stuff so um, this person has to take accountability for for the 100%. decisions that they make 100%. like it's almost like a managerial role exactly like yeah. take take a look at my business yeah. tell me what i need to do to make it more streamlined organized and to grow faster yeah and then the second person that i want um and i'm not sure which one i'm going to get first we'll see depending on applications but a producer that mm. will literally run the content side, yeah, especially yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. So that this person can take a video from ideation, you know, to send it to a script writer, which right now I don't have someone who's like a really great script writer. I do it pretty much all myself. Wow. And then create, I shoot the video, send me the script, I'll shoot the video. You send the video to the editor, you do notes for the editor, right, right. you send the thumbnail like idea. Like a liaising like producer. I, yeah. So I need this producer. I've been thinking a lot about my YouTube channel and how to make it just grow faster and how to change mm. it and i'm like okay how about i turn it into like a media company that helps guys you know that's kind of yeah that's kind of the goal oh okay so that is your five-year vision to to create alex costa into a media company brand that can live on its own along with the three brands exactly exactly mm. yeah because i have a hard time how am i gonna let go of the channel and yeah. like stop posting yeah. that just seems like kind of like a waste what if I hired a team that could run the channel? Yes, you know, yes. different hosts, producers, yes, editors, yes. and I think that's the long-term goal for me. Yes, yes. I've been discussing this with my husband too, where we talk a lot about like my business, and we're thinking like in the future. We're not there yet because I still think I have a few more years to go. But when we get there, I feel like it's uh, hiring a face who can be slowly be integrated into it and then we give them shares to the profit etc so that they are also motivated and then eventually be able to hand it off that way yeah so that's probably the goal that would be that'd be amazing but <laughs> i i've been thinking about this for like over a year it's really? like who do you, who's gonna do that <laughs> well who, you know what i mean like how do you find someone who's literally going to first of all like executive assistant like that's gonna be really hard to find but second right. of all this producer or mini me or like yeah. host yeah. partner of the of the channel that's yeah. so difficult yes yes so difficult for for the executive assistant one advice i heard that i think is very relevant is that you want to hire someone who is a caretaker um mm. and i think that's that's very important because for a personal assistant they are task doers yeah but but an executive assistant is someone who can take care of not just like your business and come up with strategies. Maybe that's more of a consultant, but the executive assistant will also take care of your mental state and your well-being so and true. organize it so that you can live your life to, to the most, like the best way you want to live it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I need. I think, you know, I'm at a point now where it's like, uh, I don't have time for anything, right? And and things are starting to, I'm like, things are falling to the, to the cracks, right? I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I don't have time to promote this launch mm -hmm. as well as I should be promoting it. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I have this other brand deal. It's Black Friday, and then yeah. I have the other brands, and yeah. then, and I'm like, okay. 
So okay. something needs to change, yeah, right? Yeah. Because I don't want to operate here. I want to operate at the highest level. Yes. And for that to happen, I need help. Um, yes, yes. So that's that's the goal for Reach 23. Reach out to Alex if you're that person. <laughs> Please, I need you. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It's really cool to hear how you run your businesses and how you're going to take it. I, I just It just seems like you're really doing a lot yourself so i hope you can find the right roles um, thank you yeah i mean no me too that's a big big goal for me next year one thing i learned at a recent mastermind i went to maybe it can help is the values that you promote in your company so even though i have like two assistants and a content marketing strategist um, i haven't been promoting the right type of values where people take accountability for what they do so sometimes uh, depending on the person, they will always come back to me for questions. And then I still have to be someone in between. And then it still distracts me away from a lot of things. I can't show up and film and then be done with it. So that's that's one thing that can really shift. It's the education and then the expectation that you you tell them instead of like being nice and then backing down and then being like, yeah, I can take it over from there. Or like, yeah, let me take a look at this. Exactly. There's a big difference. There's yeah. a big difference, you know, and I'm just learning as I go. Like yeah. I didn't go to a business school or, <laughs> you know, any of that. Yeah. And None of us. I just I just started making gaming videos on YouTube. <laughs> and now I'm like, I have and businesses I need to now. run. This is weird. Yeah. So I've been learning a lot. Yeah. You know, really trying to learn as much as I can. I want to do some masterminds as well. And um, yeah. I've been looking into some interesting ones. Brian and yeah. I are going to do a few next year. Oh, okay. And just trying to learn, just trying to yeah. grow, you know, yeah. sharpen the the tool set and, and the, the skill set yeah. because it's something that I've never done before. Yes, so now yes. I have to manage people, have to set expectations. I have to fire people, you know, and it's I, when I had to fire the, for the first time I had to fire someone, I'm like, how do so I hard. even do this? Like yeah. I, this person is nice, but it's not working out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot of learning. It's a wow. lot of learning. But I, I, that's what I love the most. I yeah. hate being stagnant. Yeah. hate being complacent. If I'm not growing, if I'm not learning, yeah. it's boring. Yeah, totally. I, that makes so much sense. So, Okay, so lastly, I just have a few more questions before we wrap up. If uh, How long do you think you'll be an influencer for? Like showing up with your face. Mm. Do you put a time limit on it? Or are you like, I'm just going to coast through this i haven't yet because i don't know for sure if i i guess right now the answer is like three or four years mm-hmm. yeah but knowing me it's probably yeah. gonna be longer than that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting yeah. okay it changes all the time you know and sometimes i'm like yeah you know we'll have kids and then we're, it'll be like a kid's channel or whatever like yeah. you know, we'll keep it going yeah but the truth is, it gets exhausting. Yes. And I don't know if I want to have kids on any channels exactly, or showing yeah. them in any way. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're really far ahead here. I don't have kids. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think I do think about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that, that was super interesting. And thank you so much for sharing all of these insights and being so open with all of the information with us. And lastly, where can everybody find you? Find me at Alex Costa on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can find ForteSeries.com, ATASAPARA.com, and AfricaSkinCare.com. Those are my brands. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you for having me. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.